Hello everyone, here we are, the Uninformed Handball Hour, taking over Twitch once again. The first time we've all been in the same room since November? Oh no, in December, we were in Christmas, we were all together, but for the podcast was November, right? The end of the Euro. True. Good to see you again. Especially you, you've been a, it's been a long time. Nice to touch yeah, you hello, again. sir. Hello, How are you hello? doing? Yeah. For me, every, everyone just sees me. You know, I'm I'm not special. That's because Chris just hasn't. I like, just go around. No life. No uh, barrier to travel in his life. No. Like last, you know, two weeks ago, there's the women's EHF final four in Budapest. Travels there. Then this weekend is uh, is cologne of course the big men's final four and in in between the two weeks brian made the pretty good decision of you know what i'm gonna relax a little bit i'm gonna take my time yeah. chill out while chris uh traveled halfway around the world to uh participate in a, an american handball tournament with me so that i do appreciate that but uh it does speak to chris's like, yeah. mild insanity ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes the lack of a girlfriend that's, <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of <laughs> 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 That's right, ladies. I'm still available. <laughs> All right, men. Look, here we are now. And uh, anyone watching as well, live on Twitch, do send us your questions. You know, we want to hear from you. We want to get your opinions, but also ask us to talk about things. We have uh, an hour and a half or so, which uh, generally isn't enough for these kind of things. <laughs> but let's see as we go through the Truck Scout 24. EHF Final Four 2023. All the numbers. That's a lot of numbers. A lot yeah, of numbers, no. lads. <laughs> I think everybody's stressed about that a bit. Yeah. And I see you are dreaming about that line. Man, wait. And I, if you get it wrong, you need to commit now to doing something on the Twitch show. Oh, really? No. Yeah, I think so. If you get it wrong. If you get it wrong. If I go podcast, like Truck Scout 25 or 23 <laughs> or something like that. Yes. If I, or, it's, you know, calling or it the, the 2024 exactly. version of it. Uh, yeah, what do you want me to What's my know, what forfeit? to do? Something entertaining. Anyway, a chat. Maybe yeah, do maybe chat. Well, chat. The chat. Anyone on the chat forfeit? that wants to uh, give a forfeit for Chris if he gets the name of the official sponsor wrong, which Good. is a complicated thing. Yeah. Anyway, for the rest of this, we'll call it the EHF Final Four or the Final Four. Or that sounds good. All right, because sounds we've good. we've said the sponsor once, and uh, generally we're not really we don't, we don't really. You gotta go with that flow. We just call yeah, it what it is. We are independent. Yeah, we're independent. <laughs> and uh, we are going to do a similar thing to what we did for Budapest for the EHF Final Four Women, which I think worked really nicely. Looking at the stories, the strengths, and the Achilles weaknesses of each of the four teams. Uh, we also have, for those of you who uh, listen to this afterwards, so a little bit of a, a teaser. If you're watching live now, you also have to listen to the podcast afterwards because I had the chance to speak to Christian O'Sullivan, uh, the captain of Magdeburg, and to, uh, who else did I speak to? Luke Steins. Luke Steins. Luke Steins from PSG. Uh, earlier today at the media call, so we'll put that in the middle of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, even if you're watching with us for the next hour and a half, you also have to download the uh, audio. 
how, how was the atmosphere in the media call? Generally, it, it feels relaxed. Yes, it was very chill. And I think a bit like last year, because the weather was beautiful, pretty much all of it took place outside. So under the shade of the, the big umbrellas and the trees. And it means it feels a little less hectic than like in Budapest. It was pretty intense because everyone is packed into one or two rooms. Mm. Whereas here it's out in the garden of the Radisson and it makes for like a quite nice atmosphere. And, uh, you know, I was speaking to two players who basically were experiencing this for the first time. So even Luke Stein's like, he's been here before, but it was in 2021 where they, uh, they didn't have a full event, right? Mm. So it was still a little bit COVID protected. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's like, yeah, I don't really know what to expect. You're the first person I'm talking to. <laughs> it's like, so on his way out, everyone is busy with the, the Magdeburg players. So I was like, I'm going to position myself very tactically here mm. and be the first one to grab Luke. And, Did uh, you have to hold the microphone kind of down here? <laughs> oh, sorry, Luke. I'm joking, Luke. Luke, I love you. I love you. You're my favorite player. <laughs> I, I did not. Just nor- a normal height difference, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do have to realize that Luke He's Steins looks tiny compared to real handball, yeah. handball players. giant yeah. players. Yeah, He's when only- he's standing beside uh, Christopans, yeah. he looks tiny, but yeah. he's actually just. There's only like, average there's only like 10, from there's only like 10 Chris. centimeters. From Chris to Chris, yeah, it yeah, looks quite exactly. normal. Still bigger than him, though. Let's not, let's yeah, not yeah. forget that. Let's not get yeah. carried away here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so pretty chilled, I would say. Uh, I was only there for the first two teams, then I came over here to do the, the show. You were in a different place, though. I didn't see you. Yeah, I was upstairs with like two players from each team doing kind of social media videos. So okay. we were up, hidden up in a... a a faraway room, mm. doing some uh, funny bits with various players, and yeah, uh, Kielsa were hands down. The funniest, K- Kielsa, hands down. Dylan yeah. Ahi and Daniel Dushabayev were hilarious together. It was like a comedy duo. It really, honestly, was oh, one man. of the funniest things I've ever been part of. Danny Dushabayev. I feel Dylan Ahi. I can see that character in Dylan him. Dylan Ahi is so competitive. <laughs> it was, we did a, this bit of a quiz over and back and he was so competitive and he forced Daniel Dushabayev to put the medal on him at the end when he won. <laughs> it was very good. It was very good. And I didn't uh, expect it from him. I thought he's, he would yeah. be a bit distant, kind of a bit cool about it, but he actually was hilarious. I, I figured mm. Danny Dushabayev is the kind of guy who is like a great, proper younger brother, like enthusiastic yeah. and will just like, mm. he'll take a beating, you know, he'll be yeah. like, oh, just for the fun of everything. I, you know Danny Dushabayev and the Dushabayev a little bit. When we asked him who his favourite player was, who do you think he said? Danny. Yeah. He said his uh, brother. Yes. Oh favourite fav- coach? Tell his dad. His dad. Yeah, it's just like, you know all this stuff. Like, you know all this stuff. You could just predict it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That's cute, though, to be fair, isn't it? It's nice. Favourite female player? I, was just, I, thought, I thought, does he have a sister? He's going to say that now. But I couldn't remember if he had a sister or not. I don't yeah. know. Does he have a sister? I don't know. I don't know. I was expecting him just to who bang out uh, he said, Anita Gorbis, I think. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting one. Mm. Okay, very good. Not yeah, Anita, Anita Gorbis got a good few shout outs on the women's side. Norm Mork, obviously, as well. Steen Oftedal. Mm. They were probably the three. But Bianca Popovich as well yeah. had a few. They were probably the four top ones that people okay. mentioned. Nice. Yeah. That the, the, a good question for the male players to like, get their, their brains thinking. Because yeah. it's the kind of question you can almost assume that the women's players will have someone, but sometimes men's players are not so tuned in to what's happening in the wider handball world. Mm. So, yeah, some good questions or good answers there. Uh, so, Gelsa were the, were the, the best informed boys in that, that regard. Yeah, definitely the most entertaining, yeah. We're definitely pushing my microphones to the limit in terms of uh, <laughs> the amount of shouting they were doing afterwards. But no, it was, it was very entertaining stuff. Nice. So, uh, where are we going to start, boys? I th- let's start with the first semi-final. 
But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll the format. Just to be clear, we're going for we we're going to go through each team. Yeah, we'll have the storyline for each team. Yeah. What's the biggest story? We have biggest strength and Achilles heel. Mm. And I mentioned earlier, it was quite difficult to find an Achilles heel in these teams. They're all so damn good. I have to say, I'm really. Uh, we have a huge crew here, right? But they're so. They seem so confident in our ability to not burn down the studio that I think we're, we have this one person left. <laughs> Which is, this is generally Clements' approach as our, as our producer here. He's just like, oh, the lads are on. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm going out. Uh, Time for break. So, yeah. Thank you to Martin, who's still... It is Martin over there in the dark, right? Yeah, Martin in the dark, uh, who's going to be here just in case things do burn down. And, uh, yeah, so, first semi-final, Magdeburg, Barca. Let's go for Barca first what is the the storyline for you guys who wants to go i think the storyline has to be can they pull off the three-peat i mean we saw the three-peat in the women's side just a few weeks ago it kind of feels inevitable that it's going to happen again here i don't know about you it's a very very similar feeling going into this weekend as it was going into budapest with vipers and would that be a bit boring? I don't know. Maybe, but two, three pizzas in a row. That, that, that was my storyline as well. And it, and it is interesting, the parallel with Vipers, because the talk isn't really about Barca, because they're just so good. Mm. And they're just... Everyone kind of knows that they're going to be there or thereabouts. And mm. almost people are probably hoping that they don't win. Uh, maybe with Vipers, it was they were a little bit more under the radar. Mm. People kind of forgot that they're two-time champions and became three and it was all about the other teams but again I have this same feeling that you know of the discussions we're going to have over the next three days we might talk about the other teams a lot more because it's kind of a bit of excitement there's something new we want a challenger but with Barca it's like same old incredible yeah. Barcelona I mean better in years gone past though we, we would always say we would, don't talk about Barca until the final four mm. and it feels like now we get to the final four and we still don't want to talk about them <laughs> we don't talk about Barca until they until lift the, the final trophy. and there's yeah. 10 minutes left and yeah, they start talking like, about Barca because they are so good like you said Alex it's just they do it so well and they just play the Champions League better than pre any, any other team but last year they were it was surprising a little bit that they won because it was a new coach it was Carlos Ortega coming in he needed to revamp the team a little bit he did that. That was super impressive. Again, they won by the narrowest of margins, right, in that, that penalty shootout. Like, they were this close away from losing it. This time, the squad is even better. You think about the players they've brought in. So Hampus Vanna out on the left wing. So now they have an absolute, like, a machine for a left wing. They've brought Emil Nielsen in, like, to make that goalkeeper duo. That was maybe a weakness they had last time nice. because there was an over-reliance on Gonzalo. Not this time. And uh, an am amazing defender in... Uh, Jonathan Carlsbergard is also like super clocked in when it comes to playing an attack. So, yeah, the squad is in general has improved. They've only drawn one game all season. Uh, I said here from my story, the machine's strong as ever. No, it's stronger than ever. Might be the last time, though. That's the storyline for me. It could be the last time that this team is as strong as it's going to be because there's changes with the budget being reduced probably next season. Um, still some uncertainty about players like Sindrich. Will, will he be there next season? Still has a contract, but who knows? And uh, that for me is like, it's kind of a little bit of an end of an era. Someone said today to me that this could be Lucas Sindrich's last Final Four. 
And I didn't think about that, but it could be depending where he goes next year. And it's that's that just a saying a... that he's going to go to Melsung and, <laughs> and never appear in top level handball again. The end of his career. Yes. Would you be surprised? The, the, golden, golden, the golden parachute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lifting the golden trophy to taking the golden parachute. No, I, I wouldn't say that about Lucas Indrich. I, I think he would, you know, he's good enough to elevate any other team to actually. Even Melsung? Even nah. potentially not nah. Melsungen. But um, how do we, how would you always end up with bullshit like shitting on Melsungen to these things? <laughs> it's so fun. I know. It's so fun. I know. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it does feel like an end of an era. But I think last year we were also kind of talking about this uncertainty with the new coach. Now, mm-hmm. um, how do you feel about the pressure on Carlos Ortega in this moment? What last year it seemed like. He had this momentous challenge in front of him. He had to replicate the greatest team of all time previously yeah. and did it in yes. emphatic fashion. How do you think he the pressure is on Barcelona, especially now that there's also you know this expectation that the budget's going to go down next year? It's not like it's going to keep rising and rising. Do you feel that will have any impact on... on I don't think they'd be too worried about that. Like also because the tag of you know the team that blows the semifinals that they had a couple of years ago is gone, because they're not a team that blows the big leads. They're just a dominant team. The way they've set themselves up this year as well, and uh, maybe we can look at that in uh, in more detail here. With again, we need to with any final four preview need to look at the amazing stats that Julian Rux has has done, and I had a look at a few of them uh, before. And this is what really stood out for me about Barca, because not only do they give up the fewest turnovers in attack, uh, 7.5 per 50 attacks, but they force the most on opposition, 10.2 per 50 attacks. And um, that, of course, when you're uh, not giving up the ball in attack and turning the ball over a lot in defense, what does that mean? Fast breaks. Fast breaks. Fast breaks. Hampus Vanna. Hampus Vanna on, and uh, Alex Gomez on Alex fast Gomez. breaks. Can, can we just have a we'll brief a mention of Alex Gomez? Okay, continue. Continue. Most possession, like, and with that, fast break goals and attacking, basically attacking more than anyone else. So that is, for a team like that, a really scary combination of uh, statistics. Mm. So Alex Gomez. Well, actually, that we'll, we'll leave Alex Gomez for a little bit later. <laughs> okay. Because he's just teasing yeah. it like that, and they're just not... I thought you were going to score now into uh, the strengths. Like, I uh, maybe. See, see, the thing is, that he's the, the weakness. I, I'm, uh, no, no, the strength is actually builds on the point that Chris is making, yeah. and it is their defense. Um, as you said, you, you talked about the um, turnovers, but particularly their defensive efficiency... Mm is, again, referencing Julian Ruxa's numbers per 50 possessions, is streaks ahead of every other team in the competition. And that center block between Fabregas and Tiagos Petras might just be one of the best defensive partnerships we've ever seen. This equality in both of them. There's not just like one defensive specialist it's really two guys who are probably the top two defenders in the world and they're they're right there in the middle they're both and that leads into what you said because they're so aggressive they're so smart they're not they're this evolved 6-0 defense where it's there's a lot of offensive play there's interceptions there's you know they're not just standing up and and trying to block something Uh, and that defense is again something that 
probably flies under the radar with mm. Barca. You don't think of them as a defensive team because they get all these fast breaks. Yeah. But how do they get these fast breaks? Mm. They're fantastic defense. Yes, and you you include Alish Gomez in that as well. His intercepting ability, and Carlos Bagardo mentioned already. Like if he's the guy because of the amazing center block that he has to go number two in defense. That's still what a player to have because he is a player well, he's Sweden's best defender. So yeah, overall, I mean that was for me the strength as well: scoring easy goals, the turnovers, and the fast breaks. I had a kind of a bit of a bigger picture for this strength here and I thought it comes back to what you said a little bit earlier about is there extra pressure on Carlos Ortega this weekend and I'd say probably no not at all I think I feel like they're go he's going into this because he did what he did last year and because we know what's coming I think it's they can almost play with ease to a certain extent um, and I don't see them under extra pressure so I think momentum coming into this having won two already is a huge factor and they do have that kind of fear aspect um, in them opposition opposition fear, fear yeah. yeah nothing they're not like scared themselves um, <laughs> but yeah they put fear into their teams we're and, so good it's just so you, scary <laughs> you, uh, also what you said there as well when you can can you can crush other teams with your, with your defence and then get such easy goals at a, on a weekend like this as well you can really pull away and I think it's it's hugely important so I think momentum generally is their it was one, was one of their biggest mm -hmm. strengths mm. And now I'll go to Alex Jovic because okay, I, nice. I wanted to just confirm the, the exact stats because they are just ridiculous. I'll put my mic down. <laughs> he's, 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 Alex, he, you, got, you got a coffee over there. Where's my coffee? Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked for one. Again, I'm the godfather of uh, Twitch, so uh, I get priority. No accreditation right. needed. Right, <laughs> no accreditation <laughs> needed. Um, <laughs> but Alex Gomez, it averages 7.25 goals in final four matches. That is far and ahead above any other player in history. And he's just 10 goals away from <clears throat> being the highest scorer in the men's EHF Final Four. Uh, he's on 58. He needs... Uh, he's done that in four championships. He needs 10 more to beat... Uh, who does he... To beat Mikkel Hansen, yeah. who took seven to do it. And... Uh, Four. The, this is his fourth one. This is his fifth one. A fifth one. So okay. in four, he has fifty-eight goals. Yeah. Mikkel Hansen has sixty-eight in seven. Wow. So Alex Gomez, kind of like uh, Henny Henny Rice that yeah. on just smashing any record yeah. um, that that exists in the final four. Super impressive. Well, here's a question to both of you now. Let's just say you've never watched handball, and you're coming. You're trying to explain to someone what Alexis Gomez does really well. Why is he so successful at final fours, and what is he doing? Because it feels like to me. His energy and his timing are just something to behold. But like, I'll open up the floor to you guys. I mean, I would I would say, like he is clutch in a way. But I also remember times here in Cologne where he's had some rough patches, which is remarkable when you think of like the amount of goals he scored. There have been times where he's missed two or three, or missed the penalty, which you expect him to score all of them. But the fact that he does that, but then he just keeps going. He is, he is a mentality monster, I would say. That is the thing. Ever since he's taken that position, you know as long as he can, he will play 60 minutes for the team. He will run all day long. He will get the, the easy fast break goals, not just because he's fast like Vanna, but also because he steals the ball himself and he scores the penalty. So that's like, uh, he will never stop. He'll never shy away from taking on the shot. And I think that is an important thing, particularly in the final four where, you know, moments can get to people 
and maybe they don't want to be as brave as they should be. But he seems like a guy who's always so brave. Yeah, and, and that's the difference. I, I always try... It's difficult to understand the different levels of wingers at the highest level. You know, because technically, every winger at this Final Four, even at the top 10 clubs, are probably relatively similar in terms of their technical ability. They're all fantastic. They're all really fast. They can all jump. But somehow, some wingers just score twice as much as others. Um, sometimes that comes down to the style of the team, the style of the attack. But it comes down to that bravery, to that never-say-die attitude, and to taking every single scrap of opportunity that comes your way. And... Um, Alex Thomas just does that across every level. I, I, I think, Chris, you've kind of said it very well because it's not just the Timur Dibirov who takes half, half a meter shots, of spa yeah. space and he's like, I, I got this. Yeah. And, some, and most of the time he does get it. It's not just in that specific moment. It's in transition. It's in defense. It's everywhere. Satisfied? Very satisfied. Okay, yeah, good. very satisfied. <laughs> uh, for me, like, I mean, I've obviously watched him and, and filmed him in many games over in various Final Fours and for Spain as well. And, and I come back to what you said a little bit as well. It seems like sometimes he's, and I mean this in a positive way, he's a bit switched off to the big day almost. Like, you mm. know, he's always yeah. a bit able to turn, himself, turn off his head in the big moments like that and kind of just Play. focus on playing handball. Yeah. And uh, you do notice that when they're warming up and before they come out, he is just super relaxed. And for the way he plays with all that bravery, diving on every ball, going on every fast break, you almost need to be to be successful. Yeah. You might not want him being like playing in centre back when he has to like drive a whole team, but yeah. there's a guy in the wing who just runs and guns and shoots and scores. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. So do they weakness. have a weakness? Yeah, Achilles heels. This was a struggle for me, but and. It's one of those. It's one of those shitey journalist ones. So I'm sorry in advance. Like, it's such a non-humble pl player thing to say, but they've yet to have a really intense match this season. That's the only thing That's I could find only, as well. Like, they've they've gone through this incredible unbeaten run. They've cruised in the Champions League, and you Except might say for yes. that match against Celia. Yeah, exactly. So that's the point. Like. We, we, again, but that's like you know the game against Celia, where they could have been losing by 15 and they would have come back and won it. The draw with Kiel, yeah, another tight game. But we, we saw what happened when we put too much emphasis on the group phase then going into the knockout rounds. Remember when we were predicting like the, the playoff round, quarterfinal, we were inferring that some games could go a certain way based on it. But then we see, oh, in the knockout round, actually none of that mattered. Mm. Like all the form from the group phase didn't really matter. So I think Barca were able to kind of cruise that. Asabal, you know, again, maybe tougher than last seasons, but not really. And they lost the game at the beginning of the season in the Superglobe against Magdeburg, which I think is, is important for Magdeburg, maybe not so important for Barca because it was the Superglobe. All in all, that could... Maybe, maybe we could come back to bite them in the arse. Like the fact that they had to go to Toulouse to play a warm-up match for this because they, they finished the Spanish domestic season like two weeks ago, so they went to play Phoenix Toulouse. And I mean, that's not, that's, not, that's not Magdeburg. So yeah, they could come in a little bit undercooked, potentially. 
I don't know. I feel like we're saying this. I feel like we're saying <laughs> this every final four about this whole I, you battle. Have to, you have I know, I know. Straws, this whole you know? battle hardened thing versus we yeah. talk about it every time, and it, it never seems to bear any fruit at all. But it'll be a good thing to go back to if they lose tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I, 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 the, the only thing I could he, I was talking to some because when Barcelona arrived, by the way, they they were very delayed, and I was meant to stay up for their arrival. And they were arriving at half past eleven, then it was half past twelve, and then it was one, and then they arrived at actually like twenty to three in the morning. And there was guys from Catalonia TV who had to stay up there, <laughs> and they were just sitting outside with coffees, just waiting up to do a live report of them arriving, and they're just waiting there with me. And the only thing they were saying is negative is just they had a gut feeling that maybe they had their foot off the pedal 5% this year compared to last year. And if you're going on how close it was last year, that 5% yeah. could change things. Oh, and yeah. we know how close it is at the Final Four. That's probably the only thing that maybe I could see that they've won two already. And yeah. that's their, their only weakness maybe that they're not maybe that as quite hungry as they were other years. But it's really, really hard to see anything else in there uh, in terms of weaknesses. Yeah, it's a, we're all talking about these kind of mental mm. barriers. There's no uh, tactical, technical player barriers for Barcelona. It's about their mentality and how they approach this, which is, I, I think it's a, you know, a relevant question to ask um, yeah. because, again, Final Four is when you get punched in the face and it's how you react to that. This is a team that's been punched in the face a few times and has always reacted. Yeah. Um, but my, my Achilles heel is Magdeburg. <laughs> <laughs> so Barcelona's Achilles heel is Magdeburg. Ah, genius. <laughs> Why did I never think of that? <laughs> and that, you know, it is a team that has beaten them twice in the last um, 18 months. It's, we, so some of the strengths you talked about, that we've talked about, the defense, the turnovers, the fast breaks. Magdeburg are a team that is very safe on the ball. They have fantastically gifted backcourt players who play at an incredible, incredible pace, but the, their style of play is kind of individual, one-on-one, -on -one, and pass it on. And in a sense, they're always close to each other. That's the way they play. Yeah. They always get these angles where the attacking players get close to each other and always get fouled. So the limits, all these turnovers are being limited because they're close to each other to make that pass. And um, they're usually in contact when they're making a dangerous pass, which means that it gets called as a foul, yeah. they restart, they do it again. So stylistically, I think that Magdeburg, there's a reason why Magdeburg have beaten Barcelona. And it's not just because um, Barcelona were off, off the ball uh, on those games. They didn't care about the Super Globe. Not quite. I think it is a stylistic matchup that Barcelona struggle with. And actually looking at the, the four teams in this competition, Magdeburg is the outlier. Yeah. Because I would say that Barcelona, PSG and Kielsa all play a relatively similar style. Well, they, they all have Spanish coaches, yeah. which <laughs> really yeah. brings that together. But that, that defense, that aggressive defense, uh, we'll get on to, especially Kielsa, um, have that. And that fast pace. Magdeburg are a different beast and they're a stylistic matchup that uh, Barcelona have to figure out. And I think that, if we're going to find an Achilles heel, it's that. And the... For example, the score from 
back in September, Superglobe was 41-39, right? which suggests like a quick style of play from both teams because Magdeburg can do that as well. And they can at the same time take two and a half minutes for an attack because they keep getting fouled over and over and over again. But that doesn't fluster them. That just flusters the opposition. And I think that one leads into the other there because if they do that for 15 minutes at the beginning of the game, then Barca will start to take risks and then open up spaces elsewhere. Uh, but that's where Magdeburg's strengths, as we'll go into briefly, could, uh, could really come to play. So, yes, it's a broad one, Alex, going for the opposition, <laughs> the opposition. as the uh, Achilles heel. But, yeah, I will give it to you. We'll give it to you. So, anything else on, on bars? I mean, I just want to say, like, from a couple of years ago, uh, maybe the Achilles heel we could have talked about was a certain position in the court. For example, uh, left wing or left back. But I think, you know, the old shitting on Timothy Engasson is now not relevant anymore. He's I mean, just an absolute... He's not even a random he's, rocket. Uh, he's, he's just, just amazing. Pure now. rocket. Pure yeah. rocket. Yeah. Yeah. He's pure rocket. And so, I mean, there was, that's actually something I thought of earlier when I was reading an article on yourhandball.com and they're talking about Christopans maybe being the most underrated player mm-hmm. at the Final Four. But I think if you're going to make a list of the most underrated players generally, I think Engasson would be in there as well, wouldn't yeah. it? I think my opinion on him has changed big time in the last few years. Yeah. So I'm yeah. a big fan now. Um, and yeah, just clutch. Like he's the guy who, you know, it's like a bit like Yerzhab Kova will just come up with goals for you. I don't, I don't the, know. Where. The, the last point on that um, on Barcelona is if they do have a positional weakness, it is the line because they have Fabregas, who is the best line there mm-hmm. in the world, but the backup to Fabregas is Frade. Frade. Frade yeah. Who, while he's actually he's developed a lot, he, he's still. Improving. He's, he's just a, not. He's a random level. red card. Yeah. He's, a, he's a random rocket slash sheeposh in one go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, the the way why I'm saying this is because Fabregas at times does get into foul trouble. Mm. He gets two minutes. He's aggressive in defense. Link that to Magdeburg's style of play, where they're going to bait him. They're going to go one on one against that center block continually. Oh, yeah. Christiansen's going to snap I'd be, back his I'd head be, a couple of times. I'd be disappointed if he doesn't smack Gisli at least once in the head. Yeah. So, so I, I see a situation where Fabregas gets two, two minutes in the first 25 minutes. The first 20 minutes. That, it can happen. And then it's Luis Frade com, coming in to replace him. And that's the only chink of a weakness in the players for Barcelona that I can Yeah, find. so if you've just joined us now, we're trying to find a weakness in Barcelona's team and I think that probably sums it up nicely <laughs> where Barcelona's weakest position is the position where the, where the, the best player in the world yeah. <laughs> yeah. in that position. Yeah, so that's... Uh, uh, tough times. That's how yeah. Tough times. And hi to Matias joining us all the way from Argentina which is nice. Amazing. Anxious for tomorrow. I think that's in a positive who, who, way. Who, do you su- who are you supporting, Matias? Um, tell us. I guess, and I guess I've, Also, fan. everyone in, in the chat... Do get involved. Again, we're talking about storylines, strengths, and weaknesses for each team. So if you have any thoughts on the strengths, weaknesses, uh, throw them into the chat. We'll discuss them. Um, it, it's a difficult challenge to it actually is. find those for these teams. So we could actually use your help. Magdeburg. For me, the story was the, the fact that they've overcome an absolute injury nightmare to get to, this, uh, to, get to Cologne on the first try basically, as well, uh, for this group of players. That has been a really uh, impressive thing. And on the podcast, 
for people to listen later, you'll hear Christian O'Sullivan's take on that. But, you know, I did ask him, was this really like a, a realistic thing for you a couple of months ago? And, you know, with a bit of a smirk, he was like, well, we hope for it, but <laughs> it wasn't looking very good. And it really wasn't looking very good for them at a certain point with the injuries they got. Um, Alex and your tweeting, you basically told them their season was over. Uh, <laughs> like, I think after that first leg against Protsk, he was like, ah, oh, it's over. It's not like, this is the end. Uh, what a turnaround. No, no, my storyline is zombie Magdeburg. Zombie Magdeburg. They are, they are like zombies that have parts, have arms falling off, have yeah. legs crumpled, and they still keep moving forward. Yeah. And also, not only with the injury-related uh, issues that they've had, where they just keep moving forward. Also, it's, it's their style of play. Yeah. They're, they just smash into the defense. And no matter how many bruises and injuries they get, they just keep going. So zombie Magdeburg is my uh, storyline. Uh, Vess CK just asking, is Gisley playing tomorrow? Yes, apparently Gisley is fit and ready to go. Uh, yeah. I saw him walking around. Looks pretty, pretty yeah, much like his ankle. Yeah, he, he, played, he played two played a couple of games in the Bundesliga. Two, two games in the Bundesliga. Scored three goals in one of them. So he's, he's in pretty good shape. We had Nicola Porter and... Uh, Portner, sorry. And... Um, Jensen in for the social media videos yeah. earlier and when they were asked who do you think is going to be MVP for the weekend they thought it was going to be Gisley so he's definitely playing yeah how was it meeting Mike Jensen um, quite a shy guy for a very big guy yeah yeah. But nothing I meant like as, as, huge, as, as a twin no, as your twin as my twin oh yeah forgot I, yeah, <laughs> the I story behind that is that there is uh, <laughs> uh, so AI some, there's yeah. photographs that are taken throughout the competition and then a, an AI uh, attributes the people to the photographs, and usually it's quite good. But there's a wonderful, wonderful photo of Brian from from the back. Actually, at the, it was at the women's final four weekend <laughs> when we were meeting. All, so completely out of context for Mike Jensen, he wouldn't be at the women's a uh, women's CHF Euro. Sorry, the yeah. women's CHF Euro, and uh, yeah. Picture of the it, it back was, of your it head. It was me, Chris, and uh, Mike Jensen <laughs> yeah. sitting together interviewing some uh, players, according to the uh, AI. Oh, I should have told him that story. <laughs> yeah. no, I forgot oh, yeah. about that. Oh, well. Big Mike, though. Could be big this weekend. Big Mike. He's come into really good form. But what's that got to do with the, the story of the weekend? Oh, the story of the weekend. Uh, well, my story of the weekend was very similar to you guys, and I'm sad I said after your one because your one was a way better had a way better title. <laughs> uh, the, the resolve of the old guard. I mean, I saw yeah. them there when they were, when they qualified, and they really had to rely on the guys who you kind of felt were on the way out at this time, or slowly kind of like the, the likes of Christian O'Sullivan, who think maybe in a, in, a, in an attacking sense probably is a bit off the pace, maybe, but defensively offers still a huge amount, and in terms of leadership, to Magdeburg, and. Um, also, like Piotr Krabkowski, who was mm -hmm. warming the bench for most of the season, you know, comes in, he scores a goal in the quarterfinal and uh, is playing in defense all of a sudden. Michael Damgaard, who has been in and out and in and out and in and out of this team over the years, started the season very much a bench warmer. He's come in and like uh, taken the reins. Uh, got, I think, gone ahead in the pecking order uh, above Philip Faber now. And uh, we spoke to Rasmus is earlier. It, do you think he will start? I think so. You think yeah, he'll start? Yeah. Oh, I'll start, but what, start will, is will he important. play more? I think he'll play more. Uh, I think he'll play more. I, I, think he'll I, be I, I would say I disagree with that because uh, I think Weber, um, I think we've given Weber some unfair criticism in the past. Uh, he, he's a <laughs> very good player. <laughs> but just <laughs> potentially because he's German, but mostly it was with the German national team where he was the playmaker. 
and we pretty much never he's not a playmaker essentially he is a left back center back yeah. combo player but um germany used him in a way that you know tried forced, to make forced, forced, into, forced yeah. into a classic playmaker role but i think weber brings good balance to uh the attack because i think that that also leads into my strength and potential achilles heel <laughs> In, in, in both together. <laughs> I love, I love, I love, uh, and that is that uh, the Magdeburg backcourt is a team of random rockets. Mm. They are um, explosive, dynamic, incredible, mm-hmm. but can be a little bit wild at times. And I think Damgore is a great example of that because he's a, you know, seven from nine or one from six yeah. type of guy. Mm. Um Smith's has just been incredibly consistent, but his well, Smith's is a rocket- fourteen from fifteen or ten from fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know he, he's uh, he's like, but there's still a random range of like sure. eight to fourteen goals that that he can get. Yeah. Um, I oh, think. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a problem to have. <laughs> Chris Janssen uh, is a steady ship. Mm. Um, I think Christian Sullivan is a bit of a random rocket and attack these days. Yeah. Uh, and Weber brings stability, but is also a random rocket in himself, yeah. where yeah. he could have a game of one from four, or he just needs like four from five mm. is his perfect game. But at times he gets lost. And then, you know, there's this imbalance. You know, you, you have Smiths who's steady, but at times needs to give a 14-goal performance for Magdeburg to win. Like, you can't rely on that. Um, and then with the other players, it's, there's a bit of random element to it. So that can be a benefit because all of them can be incredible. But at the same time, they can all... And let's be honest, they game. all need to be incredible for them to win this semi-final. Like they, nothing, nothing short of that will do. Which, so I'd much rather go in, going into it as Magdeburg knowing that that is possible rather than knowing that our best might not be enough. Their best could well be enough. But yeah, they could also completely fall apart. I mean, my strength there was the, the brilliant one-on-one play. We, we did go back to it a little bit on why that could be a downfall for Barca um, and inspired players. Because like, when they are, and they, at the moment, they are inspired. Like The way they have played the last couple of months uh, in big games is incredible. And when you have an inspired Mikhail Damgaard, Chris Janssen just doing what he does, and Smiths, the wingers, like Lucas Mertens uh, is probably one of the best left wingers in the world right now. Um, two lads in the right wing, both very good. You have Saugstrup coming back into this team on the line alongside uh, Lucas Meister, who is inspired <laughs> at the moment. Meister. <laughs> Lucas Meister. Stop mentioning soon to be, Lucas Meister soon to be in this podcast. Soon to be the Champions Lucas League Meister. Meister. is getting way too much yeah. airtime. And, and Oscar Bergendahl. <laughs> and then uh, Mike Jensen is, uh, Big Mike has inspired the last couple of months. He's come from being the clear number two to taking over in mm. goal. So, yeah, they need to be absolutely on the ball and inspired. Everything has to work perfectly. But if it does, then... They have enough. Brian, your strength? My strength is a very basic one. I'm sorry about that. I apologize in advance. But uh, the unknown factor of the Final Four Mm -hmm. and them coming in as debutants to the Final Four, we've seen it a million times before. And I think 
don't you think that this Magdeburg side suit that role more than anybody oh, else yeah. that you've seen in the past, just with the character characters they have in there, and like what you said earlier, the random rocketness esque mm. style of the play of play that they have. I mean, I just really wonder what kind of tournament Philip Weber is going to have this weekend because I've seen him in person playing a few times, and just what you said there as well, he can when he's playing badly, he tries to fix the situation himself still, and he can go from not scoring three goals to not scoring six very quickly. And uh, But when he's playing well, he can really be the guy to look yeah. for and he can be very steady and backwards. So it's, it's really a bit random in terms of his form, mm-hmm. what kind of Philip Faber going to get. He could be really important this weekend, I think, uh, because we kind of think we know a little bit what we get with Kai Smiths and some of the others, but Philip Faber will need to step up, I think. Yeah. No, but it's a, it's a really good point about their... Um, position in this final four and their entry because as opposed to the women's final four where we've seen uh, new teams struggle when they play in the final four for the first time on the men's side there's just been so many surprises even like when we'll go into Kielsa but Kielsa won it when they were the random team the underdog the scrappy Flansburg Hamburg, Hamburg, uh, Varder, Montpellier coming Montpellier. from Group CD. You know, it's it's it happens time and time again, and I think um, it, it, Magdeburg fit that role really well in this final four. Yeah. And Achilles, then you yours is covered, the strength and the Achilles. Mm-hmm. How about you, Brian? Just need to get my iPad open here. Uh, Achilles, I think mm, I come back to some of the players they might have to bring off the bench against a team like Barcelona that maybe they are lacking. While we talk about a ragtag bunch of guys here, there is, as you said, a lot relying on them doing it all again. Kai Smith's doing it all again and playing at such an insane level, so many games in a row. And now the big lights are on at the final four. If Kai Smith's is not firing... Vladan Lipovina. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. So squad squad depth to a certain extent, I think, is probably a... Yeah, that, that's one I had as well. Um, you know, are they going to be... Like, their end of bench is by far the worst across these four mm-hmm. teams. And, you know, Marco Brezhak, um, Lipovina, the, these type of guys don't don't make the squads of the other teams. Um, and if they're, if they're forced into that, that, that is a struggle. Um, but I, they will all come in and they, I think they'll be able to do a job. They won't like let things fall apart, but you don't want to be relying on them for 20 minutes in the second half. They're going to come in and like, you know, 15, minute 15 to 20 in both halves and like give lads a breather. Um, for me there, I think the, the short defense could be a little bit of a problem because their defense is really impressive. I like how they play. They are very good at smothering teams and making life, making the shooting possibilities difficult for them but they're coming up against three teams who have got some serious firepower they're going to come up against two of them uh but barca let's start with barca and like we talked about angus on mem like they're guys who are not going to be they're not going to be too worried about who's who they're facing in defense they're guys who can take a jump shot at 12 meters just like fire past anyone that worries me most about this team they know they're going to concede goals but uh, and generally they can just outmatch teams in the way they control the game. But there is a little worry there for me that they won't be able to contain Barca in defence. And connected to that, then is that the goalkeepers could be potentially exposed. I think they're both two solid goalkeepers. Mike Jensen, we spoke about already. Nicola Portner, 
he's been here. He's won the Champions League with Montpellier. Um, not as the key goalkeeper, but you know, both solid keepers. Don't have the highest save percentage. They generally don't need it, but it could get to an extreme if if they can't figure out a way to stop the big boys in Barca. Yeah, probably fair to say they probably have the weakest goalkeeper pair of all the teams here. I mean, or am I jumping the gun a bit there? That's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, I would definitely say they, uh, the pair, Portner and uh, Jensen, are probably on that second level mm. of handball goalkeeper. Mm. Um, they don't have the, the top guy that each other team has between uh, Wolf. Pali- well, even Green and yeah, they're a bit I think Green and Pelic are, are, are like yeah. in between the highest level of yeah. Wolf and Perez de Vargas and probably even Emil Nielsen, Nielsen up yeah. there. Then you have Palika and um, Gren, and then you have the two boys from Magdeburg. Yeah, you feel like Palika and so, Gren. Yeah, kinda... basically what you said is yeah. correct, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took a long way to get there, but Alex agrees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is how we do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and last point there on Magdeburg and the two weaknesses you kind of pointed out, or we've pointed out, in defensively and offensively, the two players that are really crucial to stop those weaknesses from happening are Segstrup mm-hmm. and Christiansen. Segstrup sorts out the defense, Christiansen sorts out the attack. And both of those are coming from injuries. Yeah. And it's, it, we'll have to see how they play. They, Segstrup has played maybe four games, four or five games now. Um, Christiansen, two. Is that enough to be in full flow? Who knows, but it's a final four. They'll give everything. Like yeah. They're not going to hold anything back. Yeah. So now for the fun part of this, the uh, prediction for the semi-final. Oof. Score. This is the part where we get clipped up and put on Home of Handball yeah. uh, Instagram. <laughs> Who's going to go directly to the camera this time? Chris Magdeburg O'Reilly. What is your prediction? Chris, if you don't go for Magdeburg after years I, of talking about them, I I'll be very disappointed. Yeah. You have to go for Magdeburg. I'm sorry. Not, I don't want to put pressure on you, but, <laughs> but you, you really do. do like Mag- <laughs> Someone has to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Magdeburg 36, Barca 34. What a, what a game that'll be. Alex. Barca... In extra time, mm. 35 34. Barca, last throw of the game, 34 33. Who scores it? DKM. DKM finally shuts me up, shuts yeah, yeah. the doubters oh, up. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that wasn't your Achilles heel. It was like, DKM, can he deliver? Can he deliver <laughs> at the highest level? Well, Christian, it feels like for Magdeburg and the, the journey you've been on the last few years, and particularly this season, it's a huge milestone for the team. A couple of months ago, with all the injuries that you were going through, did you uh, believe that this was a possibility at the end of the season? It was our goal before the season, but of course the injury has made it much harder. And um, yeah, it's unbelievable now here, standing here, uh, playing in the Final Four. It was a recent goal for us ever since I joined Magdeburg in 2016 and now we had the chance to play at a high level in the European League before and finally qualifying for the Champions League and it was really important for us to take one of the top two spots in the group. Um, 
that made it easier for us. Uh, we had a really tough game, two tough games against Vizsla Plot, but uh, I think that was key. Just ending, having not to play the first round, getting uh, some rest in a tough program with Bundesliga and the Champions League. It's been really impressive how you've managed to manage both competitions as well. The first time, of course, you played European League last few years, but I think you could say yourself playing in the Champions League week in, week out, needing to get into that top two is makes it basically as tough, if not maybe a bit tougher than the Champions League. And with the, all the injuries as well, uh, how proud are you of this team for managing all of this, the expectations as well as the injuries and playing at such a high level for so many months, week in, week out? Yeah, really, really proud. I think we have taken steps in the right direction. Um, we lost a lot more points this year than last year, but like you said, it is much harder to play in the Champions League. Usually we started playing international in October, November. Then you have two, two and a half months to prepare for those games and having a easier schedule. And uh, I think that was new for us this year and it took a little time to get used to the rhythm. And uh, probably also why we had a little more injuries uh, this year um, because it is much harder and we have a lot of national players as well and uh, you want to be and compete at the highest level all the time and uh, I think we learned a lot through the season uh, had our ups and downs even though finishing at the number two spot in the group um, during the group stage uh, losing some games we shouldn't lose and uh, yeah, then finding our form uh, in the quarterfinals and this last part of the season uh, and just getting through the injuries. That quarterfinal was uh, fantastic. I was there for the second leg at home, also with the Płock fans above throwing their balloons and everything they could could throw at the game. But but for you personally, I mean, you, you started the season in a, maybe a different role than the last few seasons as well, really defensive-minded for the team. Mm. But then you've had to fill in as well uh, plays the playmaker role, which you've been known to do at, for club and country over the last few years. How was that kind of getting back into that role? Was there a little bit of uh, uncertainty on your mind there or did it feel quite natural to get back in there? It felt natural, but it took some time getting back to the level I wanted to play at because um, playing a different role and not getting the minutes uh, in attack, it takes some time to, time to play at this level, uh, doing the right decisions at a high pace, uh, against the best players in the world. Uh, it, it took some getting used to, but um, yeah, I feel confident now before this weekend, uh, having getting some more prep time in attack as well. And um, But I must say having Gisli back is a huge, huge advantage for us. Um, right now he's one of the best one against one players and um, having him on our team makes us uh, a lot harder to meet. So. Uh, of course, I want to play a lot in attack, but I'm really happy that he's back and contributing for us again. Yeah, it seems the timing of most, almost everyone coming back has been perfect, better than you could almost plan. Of, co of course, Omar is the, the major uh, absence, but every team is missing some players uh, pretty much. Is that, is that also something you've, you've talked about, how kind of not fortunate, but how good timing it is that the likes of Gisli's come back? Uh, Magnus is in full flow again. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, it makes a huge difference for us having... 16 players now to go uh, to go around and um, share the playing time because um, it takes a toll on your body playing against the best players for 60 minutes and we want to play at a high level for 60 minutes and nobody can play 60 minutes at this pace uh, especially not against Barcelona so so we need to change a lot uh, to keep ourselves fresh uh, for the game and 
yeah, we're looking forward to the opportunity because uh, what they have shown this year, uh, scoring at that pace, uh, that's unbelievable. So we look forward to the challenge. Is it a nice thing having uh, not so many days leading into this? I mean, you had the last Bundesliga game on Sunday. A lot of other teams have had maybe two weeks uh, with no competitive action. A few days leading into this Barca game, but is that kind of nice in a way, keeping the rhythm? I think we will see tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I think so. Um, you can train a little differently and more specialized against the other team when you have a little more time, but we're in match form. Um, and I think that's absolutely a positive for us and like I said being here for the first time hopefully it brings us so much energy that we can show that over the next two games that we're just really really looking forward to being here because the three other teams that are here are almost here every year yeah. and should be um, because of how they play uh, so um, no, I'm just really, really excited for the game tomorrow. Yeah. And you have, uh, you've had a lot of experience in final weekends with the national team, also European League. You played here in the, the German Cup final uh, weekend as well. This is obviously very different, but uh, in terms of the, the routine for the team and discussions and stuff, is it pretty much just like another day at the office? Yeah, it is, um, because doing something else now would, would not be us. Um, we just have to... Uh, believe in the style of play that we're playing and that that's going to be enough for us to bring back uh, the gold to Magdeburg because uh, starting now to play or prepare as another team that that will feel uh, feel different and I think um, if we just play our game uh, we're going to be a, a hard team to beat. It's going to be one hell of a game. Christian. Tak. Luke Steins, back at the Final Four, but it feels like uh, this is the first proper one with a big media presence. You'll have the full arena as well this weekend. Uh, how has the week been for the team leading up to this? I think we, we had a good week and travelled yesterday uh, to here and yeah, feeling good, confident and uh, yeah, of course, uh, now we will get the full experience, at least uh, me personally. So. Uh, yeah, really happy for that, and yeah, we are going to give it all and try uh, try to beat Kielce in the semi-final to to play the finals on, on Sunday. Uh, it's such a fascinating game between uh, PSG and Kielce over the last few years as well. There's been some incredible battles between you. Uh, leading up into this one, the history between these two teams is a kind of go out the window, or is that something you discuss a little bit? Uh, actually, we. Uh, we knew that we have played a lot of games against each other uh, during the last uh, several years and um, we try to use every video we have to prepare this game uh, uh, for uh, tomorrow. So, of course, uh, everything is still in mind and uh, we try to keep every information we, we can and uh, yeah, to prepare the game the best way possible and, uh, and yeah, to play our best game against them. And how are these weekends for you coming into it? Is so much going on with the media events. You have the meeting the fans later as well. Uh, for your personal preparation, does that impact that a little bit or do you embrace it? But actually, <laughs> it's the first time I'm here. So with all this you attention and <laughs> no, I don't know. And this is the first interview I'm doing. So I don't know exactly what is uh, waiting me uh, for uh, the rest of the day. And uh, even tomorrow in the arena, I don't know exactly how it will, will be. But uh, of course, the last couple of years, we also played some great games uh, with, with uh, PSG and also uh, with the national team at uh, big events in the European Championship in Hungary, for example, uh, mm. against Hungary. So I'm 
getting used a little bit more and more uh, uh, during the last uh, several years. But of course, it, this is a special one with the club team and really playing for a title and uh, yeah, only two games in two days. So uh, yeah, you, we need to be top and uh, uh, full focus to, to be able to to resist all attention and uh, forget everything around and uh, just play the game uh, we have to play. And from an outside perspective with this team for PSG, the, the focus seems to have shifted a little bit. Uh, some of the big name players in the last couple of years are, are gone, but it seems like as a team, you've become stronger than ever. Um, yes, of course, we had a lot of changes uh, during the last uh, two years. Uh, a lot of players uh, left the club and uh, started to play for the clubs in uh, big clubs in Europe. And of course, uh, we always had to manage and try to find uh, a new uh, uh, player at that position. But uh, I think we managed well. And of course, in this, this season, we also had some difficult uh, uh, games. Uh, we played in the championship, for example. We lost uh, quite a lot of games. And um, But in Champions League, we did an outstanding season till now. And uh, I hope we, we can continue this uh, uh, streak and um, continue to win. And um, yeah, I hope uh, um, the team, like you said, I hope the team will uh, stay really close to each other in, in this kind of games because we really need everybody. And um, we also know that we need everybody and everybody knows his role. So I think this, is, this can also be an advantage to be really close as a team and uh, um, yeah, fight together for the, for the win. The team PSG has been knocking on the door for so many years, so close on a couple of occasions. Um, do you feel that little bit of history weighing on the team as well? Is that something you talk about? Yeah, of course. It's uh, always special to be here and to uh, play in Champions League with, uh, with Paris because yeah, the club, even in football and handball, never won the Champions League yet. And um, yeah, you feel that the pressure from the club is there, uh, that everyone... Uh, that everybody wants to win this title and uh, that, that the only thing is counting is almost the Champions League. So, um, yeah, we are really uh, focused to to play good here and uh, it's only two games of 60 minutes, so we are going to give it all uh, both games and yeah, then we will see and yeah, it would be really cool to be in the team uh, uh, of Paris uh, what is winning the first Champions League title. So, uh, yeah, this is some extra motivation uh, for everybody, I think. And I see as this interview has gone on, your accent has turned more Dutch than French. Uh, so I want to ask you a little uh, uh, question about the Dutch side of things as well. The big weekend with you and, and Kai Smits playing here. Two of the Netherlands' probably most impressive players in the last year. Have you been talking to each other a little bit about meeting here? Yeah, yeah we already spoke each other. Uh, we already have spoken to each other uh, just before in the morning. And uh, yeah, of course, it's uh, for Dutch handball, it's also something unique to have two players at this uh this event here, um, it, has never, it has never happened before and uh, yeah, the Dutch handball is also uh, really going the good way the last couple of years and yeah, we hope, uh, uh, I hope we are going to win it and I will be the first one but uh, yeah, <laughs> of course uh, I hope they are winning their semi-final and uh, that we are winning our semi-final and that we can meet each other in the final and that at least some Dutch player uh, is winning the Champions League for the first time. That would be also great for the Dutch handball, I think. Okay, I'm going to throw you into the pit now and let you go into the rest of them. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you. All right. One semi-final down. On to the next. Paris Saint-Germain against Barlinek Industria Kielce. Had a good chat with uh, Berta Servas. Did as you? I came into the hotel. Oh, nice. He always stays in the in the players' yeah, hotel. How is with he? His, I haven't seen him. He's, yet. he's in good form. It was a very quick chat because I was in a rush and he was holding court for four people. As always, he always has a little posse where he's uh, 
explaining and very expressive, but uh, he seemed to be in good form. And he was like, sorry, who are you again? He didn't recognize me. He, he recognized course, me. Did he? Yeah. Very good. One, uh, one Twitter meister to another, you know. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I just want to bring in some some comments here uh, from the chat on Twitch. My name here, 16. I feel really confident about PSG. I feel like they're playing a really mature style of handball, and I think the depth is good. Do you feel the same, or do you think Kielce is going to run them over? Well, we're going to find the answer for that in the next 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great, like, well, great question. We can, we can do a few more, more comments, yeah. but uh, I will answer that question with yes. my, also, my strength. Also, CK Bruins loves uh, the term or team of random rockets for <laughs> Magdeburg, which uh, yeah, I think is fair. So we've got the zombies, um, we've got the random rockets. We need, yeah. we need we something need a, for PSG. We need a tag for every team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Magdeburg are both the team of random rockets and the zombies. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Barca are just Barca. Barca are just the juggernaut. The juggernaut. Yeah. Um, right. So do you want to start with PSG then? Yes. Let's do it. Their storyline. What, uh, what is it coming into this weekend, Brian? Their storyline, if I can remember, uh, was... Just have to get my notes up here. Yeah, what did I pick again? Uh, PSG with goalkeepers. Can they win the Final Four? Ah, as in they have they have goalkeepers, goalkeepers mm. for the first time we've seen at the final four. I mean, they've had decent goalkeepers in the past, but we oh, talked poor, about poor Van yeah, yeah, Van I know, I know, I know. But we know but, the, but the think, only the only players actually won it in the last five years yeah. instead of all the PSG players. But also, I think two very reliable goalkeepers. Yeah, yes. I think uh, you know Gerard and their past goalkeepers have had huge variance, and that's been the issue, especially in the final four. But they are two very re- reliable goals. Like you put them just below that very top level, and I'd say, but they flirt in and out of that. And we've seen that before. We've seen that with Palika at the Euro. Yeah, particularly uh, for an, at big international events, Palika yeah, yeah. is just... I, I mean, for me, I, I have a really big feeling that he's going to do something special this weekend. Oh, it would be amazing to see. One of those kick saves would just... Kick save I, and he lands on the ball again. That's what we want. That's, what we want. that's, that's Palika for you. Dr- dry hump someone. Dry hump an opposition yeah. player. Oh, please. Please, please. I want to see that again. <laughs> Do it twice. There's no excuse. Watch, watch out, Alex Dushabaya. He's coming for you. Uh, so, yeah. You're, that is the storyline for you. The keeper's coming in. Yeah. Is it? And is that enough I, I think them? it's a big... It's a really, really big factor because, I mean, when we look, think back to Paris Saint-Germain teams of yesteryear it was always an area which people always felt that's holding them back from winning a trophy when you go onto Twitter and you talk about the Rasmus Boismans of the world he was always someone to point that out very quickly and I think this is a big factor coming in and the, probably the most likable PSG team of all time mm-hmm. which Absolutely. is a huge one yeah. I think this PSG, PSG team winning it this time I think a lot more people will be happy for them with the characters than the like of Shipshack in there uh, Luke Steins you know they're, yeah. they're a very, very likable team. Yannick Green as well. Lovely lads, you know? Yeah. No, but uh, th- that leads into my storyline, which is Raul Gonzalez and Luke Steins, a match made in heaven. Because, again, Raul Gonzalez ha- is an incredible coach. He is beautifully technical, and he has this player who just executes his game plan so perfectly. And... Again, I'll, I'll reference the quarterfinal against Kiel. I was just so, so impressed by PSG because they played like a team to the best extent I've ever seen them. And that stems from Luke Sines being given the keys and just mm-hmm. told, but also this combination. It's, it's like a partnership between the two of them. You have the coach and the on-court captain of the attack. 
and um, between the two of them, it's just turned into beautiful handball. And I think that also builds into this likability of the team, because not only it's Luke Steins and everyone loves Luke Steins, but also their style of play is quite beautiful these days. And Chris is smiling because he's going to mention Petr Nanadic. <laughs> Speaking of likable players, now I'm just saying here that uh, you know, Mihai, of course, Mihai uh, on the chat, a big Kiel fan, so also not happy with, uh, with his team losing to PSG so comprehensively in the quarterfinal, but saying PSG and likable in the same sentence, ugh. Yeah. But yeah, you can't... My, my, name, we, here saying, my yeah. name here is 16... Yeah. The chemistry is there. Yeah, the chemistry is there. Well, we said most likable compared to other teams. Yeah, in the past. Mihai, how, you have to like. You look at the players there, right? So you have Chris the Pants, you have Mahe, uh, Mate, sorry, uh, Luke Steins. You have like Toft Hansen on the line, Ship Shack, the two goalkeepers, Yannick Grain in particular, uh, Balagay and and Sole on the right wing. I mean, there are a bunch of really nice guys. Mm. Um, whether the whole concept of PSG, I mean, I don't think anyone's a big fan of that, but in terms of individual people there, I think it is a nice bunch of lads. And uh, groups are asking, what happened to Nanadic and Vesprem? Well, that, I guess we'll only know when uh, either Momirilic leaves Vesprem or Nanadic retires from handball. So yeah, we, what'll we'll, come first? Well, yeah. We're very tempted to ask Yahya Omar yeah. when we had him on our live show, but... Yeah didn't want to throw him under the bus so yeah. uh we'll leave that story to get out eventually yes it'll <laughs> come out by itself um yeah for me star studded sheen has gone for this team but what has emerged from it is a, a real contender and it feels like really for the first time because they're not like the weight of expectations maybe not there as much as before although Speaking to Luke Steins earlier and people who listen to the podcast will have heard this already. People who haven't because they're watching live, you have to listen to the podcast later. Uh, <laughs> complicated stuff. But Luke was saying, yeah, the, not just with the, the handball team, but with the football team as well, the whole PSG club, there's a lot of like, history hanging on them because they haven't won a title yet. Nobody on the men's side has won a title yet in football or handball. So he feels like uh, that, that is very much present in the team, but maybe the expectation that it has to happen now, uh, particularly this year, is lessened in comparison to previous years, which is usually when things like this work out, when the mm-hmm. expectation is a little bit less. So yeah, for me, that's the story that it's like, you know, the, some of the big names have really left, but from it has emerged a, a solid group of players. Yeah. And... Luke Steins is a star. I mean, he is. You know, we talk about it's not star-studded. Luke Steins is a star. He is my favorite for MVP in the whole tournament. I put him top of my list. Um, maybe we can bring up that MVP ranking at some stage towards the end of the, the podcast. That's a big uh, uh, challenge for our team, who I think are also preparing for a, a tour of the arena at the moment with a, a truck. So, um, yeah, I think they've got well, their minds we, we, maybe you can t- <laughs> We mentioned that. But Luke, Luke Sainz is a star. Let's not forget yes, that. absolutely. Um, he, he's a fantastic player. In terms of strengths, what specifically is PSG's strength? I went for the fact, well, connected Luke Sainz at the wheel, uh, is a team that absolutely wastes no opportunities. So 
Uh, it's important that Steins is there because his 101 assists this season. You know what the next best is after that? It's like 60-something. Yeah, 65. My God. So he's in a completely different universe uh, for the maybe the PSG stat, statisticians over there a bit kinder than other teams, uh, which is generally what happens in the, in the Champions League. But still, 101 assists. Um, and they have the, the best shooting efficiency uh, from open play of all four teams here. So they really do not waste their chances. They, as long as Luke Science has the chance to create the opportunities, he's also a goal scorer himself, but as long as he's uh, doing what he wants to do, then the, the players will get the job done. And that is what I really like about this team. Uh, Elohim Prandi pending. The news is that he will play. Oh. So the hand injuries on his uh, left-hand side. really not trust Nadarish that much. Uh, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Prandi trained yesterday. Uh, it's his left hand that's fecked. So uh, he's a right-hander. He's fine. They just strap it up. I saw him there with a the bandage yesterday. And uh, yeah, I mean, they are not, they're a team with very little fat in that regard in the attack. And I think that is going to be crucial in particularly the game against Kielsen in the semi-final where you both teams are going to get a lot of opportunities based on how we've seen them play. And Kielsen can be a little wasteful. PSG, usually not. Brian? I think my biggest strength was that right down the middle of the court there, so you with Steins and then Shipshack on the line. I think the two of them have just had really, really incredible seasons. You talk about all those assists from, from Steins, I think a lot of them probably went to to the line position. Yeah. Um so that, that duo there I think are are incredible. And I think that's probably my my big strength at that that spine of the team there. Yeah, I I Shipjack as the the strength. I'm, I'm more of a kind of wild card. Because I think he is the best offensive line player in in the competition. And he has grown from strength to strength in that role. And he he's a giant guy that moves incredibly well, mm. which is actually rare to see. I think Fabregas probably similar level, but Shipjack just has that extra height, extra reach, where the balls can just be thrown up in the air and he grabs them out. But he's also mobile. And the, the reason why that's a real strength is because every team in this competition plays a very offensive 6-0, 5-1 defense. If you have a line player that is able to move around, disrupt that, and is also strong enough to just push, it, push away the, the defender. You know, the Kielsa play with this style where they play this really aggressive 6-0. So the number two defenders and one of the number threes step out to like 10, 11 meters at times to disrupt the other attack. And then it's Gambala left uh, on the line defending someone because he's a big dude who can just hold someone down. But with Shipchak, not only is he strong enough to actually break, yeah. break free out of Gambala's grasp, He'll also be smart enough to move into the right positions to take advantage of the spaces that are made. And then, as you said, Luke Sines is smart enough, quick enough to get him that ball. It kind of feels like Chris Evans. And Chris Evans and Prandi. Prandi, like the, all of them are very clever players. It kind of feels like, do you know when you used to play like 
football manager back in the day and used to kind of be able to max out certain positions it kind of feels like I'm going to make I'm going to make a very really small quick the quickest <laughs> the quickest centre back ever okay I need to make up for that somewhere else I'll just make a massive really <laughs> agile line player I want to do it with the right back position I'll make it just another giant even bigger <laughs> yeah. and, but, then, but he'll have great passing he'll have great passing yeah, yeah. Oh, and then, the, then we'll, have, we'll have someone coming off the bench who's just really gangly and just yeah. throw some balls <laughs> in Peter Nadic Prandi is just like max the jumping max jumping this guy's just like two solid goalkeepers just have everything solid at the back it kind of is like you're designing that team just to have maxed out in certain positions and that's what, that's what this team feels like and so great viewing as well yeah uh, <laughs> yeah. Please don't clip that up. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I love that. Oh, so good. Uh, and uh, we have Nina coming into the the chat a little bit late. Who forgot the final four was this weekend? But, uh, <laughs> oh Lord! Oh well, Lord! Now, good, good you're here, Nina. Now oh, we're here. Always. And also a nice thing because um, Mihai saying there that we're celebrating one year of friendship because it was through the non-stop twitching of last year that uh, some of our friends in the chat became friends off the chat. So and it's, that's, a, happy, that's pretty beautiful. Happy friendship to anniversary to all those people. What else have we got on this team? We've got weaknesses. Weaknesses. <laughs> or Achilles heels. Now, this I wrote this uh, before I saw that Elohim Prandi looks like he's going to play. And... The Achilles for me there was uh, potential over-reliance on Peter Nanadic at 36 <laughs> years of age and just being Peter Nanadic. Uh, discuss. I mean, he's going to be playing injured, isn't he? So, I mean, he's not... Nanadic. No, no, yeah, Prandi. Prandi, 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 yeah, Prandi yeah. will be playing injured. I mean, how well he's going to be able to play with that hand is, uh, from what I heard anyway, I've, with sources close to the French oh. players, um, yeah. said that he's just going to play and, see, and just going to put, put up with the pain. How yeah. well you can play at a Final Four like that. It's hard to say. So it could end up being a weakness for them that they will be reliant on Peter Nadic. And when you're, when, you're, when you're relying on Peter Nadic, that goes two ways. Either he's going to score seven goals or he's going to score one from 14 shots or whatever it might be. So you really don't know what you're going to get with Peter, Peter Nadic. Um, so that is, that is definitely a potential weakness. Yeah, yeah and, and I would say the defensive uh, element is also mm. a big difference between Prandi and Nadic. And especially with the injury, Prandi may be able to play at relatively high level in attack, but you need that left hand to tackle players in defence. So I can imagine that he's not going to be as prevalent in the defence. And then you're left with Nanadic, who is not a defender. No. And we talked about this a little bit. Uh, it's going to be uh, earlier this week, we talked about the both teams in the semi-final are going to have to do a lot of sh juggling with their players because not only do you have Nanadic, if he's on, he has to go on the left wing in the fence. Um, Steins uh, is going to be stuck in the wing or has to come off in the fence. Shipshack is not a defender. Uh, so that's potentially three players at a given time that have to either be hidden on the wing. Mm -hmm. You can do that for one of them. Or the other two have to come off. And uh, that, again, against the team like all teams are at this level can play incredibly fast, but both Kelsa and PSG are going to have to figure out ways to juggle those players, make the like, and sacrifice some positions at a given time. Mm. And that I find a really interesting challenge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, essentially they do have two specialist defenders to come on yeah. in top Townsend and, um, Karabatic. Yeah. Two very, very good defenders, but, um, it might even impact their attacking play, their transition in attack, uh, making these substitutions. So 
that was so that was your um, no. Your weakness so there. my my weakness is that it's basically turnovers because mm. PSG are not a safe team, and you say um, Luke Sainz has 101 assists. I couldn't. There was no stat for turnovers because ah, I want. I the wanted old, the old assist to turnover ratio. I wanted to get the assist to turnover ratio for Luke Sainz to make this point right. Um, but they only had team turnovers. Okay. But even in the quarterfinal against Kiel, where they actually won and played incredibly well, they had uh, 18 turnovers across the two games. So an average of nine. That's um, teams average kind of four to six. It really, you know, five, well. five is like really where you see the turnovers across technical faults and turnovers. And um, PSG were able to win with that amount of turnovers in the quarterfinal, but that is they're susceptible to that. Mm. And when you come up against the the top teams, Kielsa and Barcelona, Magdeburg, they'll all punish you for these turnovers. Um, so I think that's 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 a real Achilles heel. Uh, out of all the teams, this is the one where it, it really is an Achilles heel. They they can you know protect the ball, but it, it can easily happen that they produce quite a lot of turnovers yeah. how about you Brian? Oh, it was the same left back left back position the unknown parts of that yeah. uh, that position there if Prondi going to be able to play to, full, to his full extent and if not Peter Nadic can you rely on him that's my main my main weakness there it's nice that we've moved on from the uh, weaknesses being either mental for PSG or the goalkeeper position I th- I'm really intrigued to see how that goalkeeper position is going to play out like Yannick Gren I think has maybe looked a little bit of a, a favoured goalkeeper of the two. He's had the higher yeah. uh, goalkeeping percentage and more saves. In but Palika, at these he just, he can last few years, he's just uh, he's been special and he knows how to do it here in the final four as well. He's done it with Kiel. Mm. Um, yeah, I've I've a sneaky feeling that he's going to be the, the like standout player for them if they win. Mm. Good. Should we leave it there for PSG? Yeah, yeah. a lot of fans wanting to move on to Kielsen. Yeah. <laughs> We're done. We're done with PSG. We haven't even started. All right. So, Barlinek industry at Kielsa at the, the Truck Scout 24 EHF final. 2023. <laughs> I hope we didn't all go for the same story here, but out for revenge. Yeah. That is the journalistic yeah. story going into yeah. this. Big bad Barca. Big, was my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something similar I said, emerging from financial uncertainty and I have to claim the title they deserved last season. Well, you got a full journalistic title there. there nice. Mm. Bit of a lo- bit long for a headline, but yeah. Yeah, so my one with Big Bad, bad Barca is because Barcelona are, just have their number at the moment. It's always very close, but they beat them twice in this year's Champions League. Um, they beat them in the final last year and it always it's close but not close in these games it, it, it always ends up feeling Barcelona but they're, play, but they're play, playing PSG in the semi-final I, yeah I know that <laughs> and that's part of the but that's yeah. part of the. they have this mental yeah. challenge against Barcelona mm-hmm. they're going to be preparing for Barcelona uh, they're going uh, to be that's their their heads are going mm-hmm. to be with this big bad monster of Barcelona who has stopped them continually over the last couple of years. And, you know, of course they're going to be professional. Of course they're going to be prepared for PSG. But 
it's it's that's the storyline. Can they get over Barca? It's like not PSG, and and that's the storyline. Are you that. saying that is like that it's going to hold them back against PSG, or that they're already they're already going to get past PSG? They're already there. I, I in terms of story, I don't think they're easily going to get past PSG. No. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's going to hold them back against PSG. It could, okay. potentially can, but as the weekend, as total, the weekend in total for Kielsa, it's it's that big shadow, big looming shadow from yeah. Catalonia that's uh, going to be on their minds. <laughs> and yours was exactly what was the the headline? Uh, my he- no, my headline was just the uh, what did I say again? I just, out for revenge, very boring. I mean, you really thought of nice headlines. I should have kind of played <laughs> on words a little bit more. That's but right. uh, no rampant for yeah. revenge. There we go. There you go. There we yeah. go. Yeah, the rampant revenge machine. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll obviously. I mean, the scenes last year after that game when they lost that was probably the most upset I've ever seen a team. team. Uh, it was. I mean, it was. That's that hangs with you. And I mean, whether that's going to be their main crux for motivation or whether it's going to I mean, when things get testy, is I mean, could, could they, are they going to have deja vu, them. or are they going to yeah. push on from it? I mean, it's, it's really hard to know. That all comes down to the character of certain players. You would like to think that with the Dushabayev trio in there, that they do have the character to to learn from that and push on. But it's a it is a huge question going into this weekend as well. Mm. Um, mm. well we've just been given some uh, odds here from Nolsa yeah, v- eighty eight. Very interesting. The Pretty pretty intense for favorite for Barcelona. Yeah. So you get if you put in a euro, you get one forty four back for Barca. Uh, five to one odds for Kielsa. Seven and a half to one for PSG. Fourteen. Just one. Oh, are you gonna? Are you I, gonna I find the latest allowed, bookie? I'm not, I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to vote. I'm not vote. I'm not allowed to, <laughs> to bet. But oh, bets. Uh, I'm not going to name the other betting. Companies are available. I'm not going to mention any. Do not. Um, yeah, wow. 14 to 1. Anyway, go back to that at the end. Um, all right, so there are the storylines. I think, yeah, this whole kind of redemption as- aspect is a big part of it. Um, strength. For me, the all-around uh, clutch. And uh, we're seeing here three or four minutes left until the truck is getting ready. Uh, three or four minutes left of the show. Now, we were told until six. We have 20 minutes, Clemens. We'll try and make it quick, though. <laughs> we, we can, or we can take a break during the truck. <laughs> but let's, uh, well, let's not dilly-dally, then. Let's not let's dilly-dally. Let's strength. All right, all right. So, yeah, uh, strength. Clutch players all around. And I would trust all of the starting seven, or the players who expected the seven, uh, to produce some magic in the final minutes. Like, literally, anyone of that starting mm. team in the final minute can come up with something really special. And just my name here, 16, is in my camp saying that Sitchko is going to tear apart mm-hmm. this Final Four best because back in the world. he may be currently the best back, <laughs> left back in the world. <laughs> that's, that's my hot take. There you go. Brian? Yeah, I mean, the, the Dushabayev trio is a strength of mine, obviously, in terms of coach mentality. The two brothers just do or die. They, so, have, a, they have a point to prove this It's, this it's really interesting that we're calling them a trio now, right? Mm. We, you know, for years, Danny Dushbaev was, was on the outside, yeah. Was on the outside. Not he anymore. was almost a liability, but he's really proven himself yeah, over trust the last, him last couple of years. Especially just at the World Championship. At the World Championship, he yeah. was incredible. Yeah. And, and um, I think even in last year's Final Four, he was also really good. He has this, he just has the clutch gene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I yeah, I agree. So any other strengths you? I, I felt like I mine was more focused on talent to survive yeah, because yeah. he is, I think, the best coach in the world. He makes meticulous plans. All, all of these coaches do. Yeah. They're all going to be really good, but the solutions that he can come up with mm. are just so creative. So when he gets this challenge of Luke's science, I think he can find something to shut him down. Mm. Uh, it, it's Of all the coaches of, in the world, I think he'll find some sort of creative solution for that. And usually they work. That's the Achilles for me, is the dealing with a mobile and speedy opposition, particularly Luke Steins. And we saw they struggled against Płock in the, well, in every game they played, most uh, recently in the, the cup final, where they had lesser opposition in comparison to that, but it was the movement on and off the ball that really hurt them. And uh, maybe they will have the solution by then, uh, but that combined with um, the question mark over Karolek, Huge. Uh, he's, he is the 50-50 player at the moment, That whether he'll be fit or not. They said Olenicek will play in defense, so he'll be fit for defense. And uh, the other question mark was Karacic. He, they said he'll be fit, but Karolek is still the 50-50. Um, that's more of a problem, I think. Uh, it's a problem in attack, mostly. They have Torna and That again goes back to the need to swap a bunch of players around. I think around. defense is yeah. the bigger impact because mm. I think Torna is not far off Karolek no, in terms of, of offensive ability. And actually Torna at times becomes their focal point. But yeah. also with Karolek out, Kielsa have been using seven on six very effectively with Karolek and Torna. And that option might be shut off if Karolek doesn't play. They don't have another um, line player to the same yeah. level. And I agree with you about the mobile um, attack, especially Tomasz Gambala. Hmm. In the World Championship, he really struggled against the speedy attackers. Again, maybe they, they have a solution for that, but um, yeah. Uh, but my my weakness for Kielsa is that they get into scraps. They really, and it's those games against Plotsk that I'm I'm referencing mm. here. But they do tend to start off with a beautiful game plan, talentish bive, everything is perfect. Then 40 minutes in, it just becomes a free for all, and they have the players. They have they have Alex Dushbaev for that. They have Danny Dushbaev. Karacic, they're all individual players who can who thrive in those moments. But they end up in these scraps. And against Plotsk, they lost that game, which was an absolute scrap. Yeah. Um, they have a tendency to get in there. When you compare it to Barcelona, Barcelona don't get into scraps. Barcelona just dominate teams. No, they'll do their own thing. Maybe they start missing, but they'll continue yeah. doing their thing. Kielsa... Like a like a brawl. Do you think it's a mentality thing that they get dragged into scraps? Like that they get frustrated. I mean, you see Tadushibayev on on the, on the coaching line as well. How frustrated he gets at times, and he starts taking it out on the players. And it's his coaching style, obviously. But you need that aids them getting into these kind of messy games, whereas maybe Barcelona don't. Yeah, don't I, I think it actually does come like top down there. Mm. I think it does. He'd be, um, he'd be the first one out there throwing punches if he could. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think um, it can be a strength at times. Um, it can drive a team, but it can also just turn 
you know, reduce it to a level below their best ability. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think that'll come into play in the final. More on that in a moment. Your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, Achilles heel for Kelsa, Brian? Achilles heel? Uh, oh, this is, I mean, it, this is a terrible Achilles heel to have, but I've Barca in crunch time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. I just, it's nightmarish. Also for me, I didn't even play in that game, but I also get nightmares of that uh, crunch time Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, you must be, they must be dreaming of it all year. Uh, so that's that's their weirdest kind of Achilles heel. I feel like, as Alex said, they have the number completely, and they they don't want that to happen. Is that so? I feel like you you've already made your prediction here. For I, the have final. Bit, yeah. Yeah. I have a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Let's uh, let's go for the prediction, predictions then before we go. Your order one to four and MVP. Oh, it's going to be a Barca Kielsa final again. And it's going to be Barcelona who win it again. I'm, af I'm afraid. Yeah, and MVP. Yeah. MVP, DKMM. That's exactly uh, uh, what Rasmus Boysen said. Barca really? to win, DKMM, MVP. Also, just I, I'd like to differentiate between a Final Four MVP and the full MVP. The, those can be different. <laughs> just, we don't have, we time, don't have time, time for this. We do not have time for it. We have only four minutes left. We will I will cover this at a later stage yeah. of the um, Final of this Four show. MVP. Um, I'm team PSG. I'm convinced. 32-30 in the semi-final against Kielsa. Uh -huh. And a victory against Barca. Um, in the high 20s, let's say 28-27. Oi. So, and your MVP? Steins. Big Steins. I think Kielsa will beat PSG in the semi-final. And... Uh, then they'll, said then they'll lose to Magdeburg in the final. And Guy Smiths with into the camera. Into the camera. Into the, can can we on. get a camera? Magdeburg. Is there a camera <laughs> operator a, in the building? Get a close up on Chris here. There we go. Magdeburg to win it. Guy Smiths with 23 goals. MVP. Clip it up. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, my name here is saying Barca PSG final. Prandi to uh, get the MVP. It's interesting. None of us have Kielsa winning it. Uh, Adrian, I think you're coming back in now, so we'll, we can transition you in uh, and get your MVP and winner. I don't think any player will score 23 goals, like you said, uh, uh, that's Chris, in a single game. It's quite difficult. No, no, for the weekend, 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 for the whole weekend, whole weekend. Yours oh, is? Um, Barca to win it. Um, 37-35 in the final with Kielce. Okay. After uh, coming back from four goals. And the MVP will be Alex Gomez. Ah, I like that one as well. Mm, yeah, that's a good go. one. All right. And I he will be the top scorer of the whole time. Because uh, McKady78 says Kielce wins with Marito or Sitchko MVP. Everyone's on my Sitchko. There you go. There's a, Everyone's there's on my Sitchko bandwagon. It, it's happening. But I just want to mention Marito, absolute legend of a player. He's... Oh, yeah. If only there, Alex Gomez wasn't better, we'd be talking about him <laughs> so much more. I, well, <laughs> we're very young. Very we're young. we're back young. on tomorrow uh, for a post-match podcast, so we may be talking about Morito then. Uh, that's it from the Uninformed Handball Hour bit. And uh, thank you all for watching or listening, if you're listening afterwards. Yeah.